you know, you can constantly be feeling like you're not being a good enough something good enough mom, good enough wife, because you're devoting so much time to your running. I am not an elite runner by any stretch of the imagination. My paycheck does not depend on this. Why am I chasing this arbitrary time goal? That was us, Kim and Carolyn, and this is episode 123 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a road runner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. There's no guest interview today. Instead, Kim and I chose to get pretty vulnerable and show our human side a little bit more. Inspired by a recent episode of the Running Rogue podcast with Chris McClung, we each open up about our top three running insecurities, how they show up for us, and most importantly, what we do to navigate them. We believe all of us face insecurities in one way or another, so our primary goal with this one was to help you feel less alone and to give you some practical strategies for working through the ones you relate to most. We'd love to generate some conversation around this one, so please feel free to head over to our Instagram page and add your comments to this post. So without further delay, please enjoy this raw, unedited peek behind the curtain of our running lives. All right. Well, it's just the two of us once again. How are you doing tonight, Kim? I'm good, Carolyn. It's so nice to just hang out with you and chat and catch up again. I know. It's been a very long time since the two of us have just done a solo episode and you're in for a little bit of a treat today because we're going to air all of our dirty laundry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In full transparency, this episode was inspired by episode 301 of the Running Rogue podcast with Chris McClung, who actually was a guest on our podcast back in episode 112, but he just released the best episode where he talked all about his running insecurities. And I thought it was so good and so relatable that I kind of tucked it in my back pocket for a time when you and I were just going to record solo. So here we are, and I'm looking forward to this one. I kind of don't know what to expect. I'm a little bit sweaty already. (laughs) Well, I thought I put it all out there when I talked about, you know, the anatomy of my DNF, but I think we're going to dive even deeper in this episode. I kind of do too. I kind of do too. So uh, buckle up everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you may or may not have wanted to know about Carolyn and I. (laughs) I, I kind of think it's important because (laughs) even though we're coaches and we're in, we've been in this running world for a long time, Mm -hmm. I think As athletes, it's important to know that we face a lot of the same insecurities that you might face. So hopefully there's something in here that you can relate to, but especially that you can learn from. And we won't just leave you hanging. We're going to kind of frame this uh, as, you know, we're going to go back and forth, but we each have three insecurities in our running lives that we're going to talk about. Uh, But after each one of them, we're also going to say like, and here's how we deal with it. Here's kind of on a practical level. Here's what we actually do when these insecurities come up. So we're not just going to leave you hanging. Okay. So you're going to go first, right, Carolyn? Yeah. So all of mine are kind of, I need to kind of tee it up and give you a little bit of the backstory. So Basically, as I spoke about in my, in our very first, if you go scrolling way back to the beginning of this podcast, when you interviewed me, Kim, uh, I talked about how I've run for most of my life in some capacity, but never really 
what I'll call semi-seriously until about 2012. And like most new runners, I kind of improved as you would expect from 2012 to 2015 in, in kind of what I was devoting myself to, which at that time was 5k to the half marathon. But I would say I've largely plateaued since then. And I don't think I'm making excuses, but there's been a lot that's gone on in our lives since 2015. We've had two cross-country moves during that time that sort of diverted my attention away from running as we sort of settled family into new provinces and whatnot and find new tribes. And, and in 2017, I turned 40, and this will come into the picture a little bit later. More recently, all of us have gone through a global pandemic. So it's all just kind of conspired to have me like, eh, like not as into the running as I have been in the past. So at the end of 2019, when I turned 42, I, it was like a lightning bolt. I was kind of struck with this idea to revisit the marathon because I'd done very well in the 5k to the half marathon, but I've never really, I don't think performed to my potential in the marathon. So I thought 42 at 42, what a great idea. And again, I talked about all this, but it's just to tee it up. So I kind of felt like that goal was a little bit soft and, and I could go after it and it would give me something to like re-engage me in this whole process. And I was more importantly, ready to invest that time again into a big goal. And I'm convicted in my belief that I can run under 320 in the marathon. My personal best is 321.55. And I do think that I can run under 320, but also that 315 under the right conditions is possible. And this idea just kind of won't leave me alone. <laughs> so even though like pandemic and race cancellations and virtual stuff, which was all a disaster, I decided to go after this goal. So... This tees up my three insecurities. So the very first one is self-doubt. Self-doubt in my ability. Am I even able to do what I kind of think I can do in this arena? So the way it shows up for me is like, are my fastest days behind me? Am I too old? Do I really have mm. what it takes? Am I even good enough to ever run sub 320, let alone sub 315? Am I all washed up? So I'll stop wow. there and let you respond. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you, you gave us a good context for that. And I, you're not alone, Carolyn. You know, I think so many of us, whatever sport it is, whether it's running or even if it's just work or family mm -hmm. or life, self-doubt, you know, that little voice in your head um, mm -hmm. sits there sometimes. And so I guess I just want to throw a question back at you. How do you keep that little voice in your head from getting louder and louder and louder and taking control of the conversation? How do you manage those feelings of self-doubt to continue to be motivated and positive and perform? Well, I think when I look at it, when I look at it with my coaching hat on and when I look at it with my athlete hat on, I know that this is not an unrealistic goal. Like, you know how sometimes people are like, you got to set big, hairy, audacious goals. You got to like shoot for the moon. And then if you miss, you're going to land amongst like all this kind of ridiculousness. I'm like, this should be possible for me. Like, I don't even think it's that unrealistic. And yet in the past when I've gone for it, I've never been able to do it. So it's like, am I like, what's going on? Am I not training? Right. So part of how I deal with it as I look back at my training, like I have run times in the 5k in the 
half marathon, in the 10K. I even ran times in 2022. I ran at least three times that would solidly predict that I'm capable of this. So in the 3000 meters, in the 10K and in the half marathon, the half marathon was only just a couple months ago. I ran a time that is indicative that I should be able to do this. And yet I'm still five or six or seven minutes off when I actually go and run a marathon. Even though it was like a well-executed race, it was still, Mm -hmm. I think, an underperformance. So how I deal with it, I just have to go back to like the proof, right? The the evidence that I have that it's there. It's just the marathon. I have a lot of respect for it, right? Because it's like I've, I wouldn't say come to my, the limit of my potential or anything like that, but I've been able to perform as one might expect in those shorter events. And I just can't, haven't yet in the marathon. Yeah. So it's, it's stuff like that. Watching my language. Can't? No, 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 no. it's not can't. It's, I haven't done it yet. Yes. Right. So that's like a growth mindset kind of. um, Mm -hmm. So I have to very much watch what I say because I can default to a negative (laughs) way of thinking or being hard on myself or critical. Well, and is this always an internal conversation or do you find it sometimes affects how much you put yourself out there in sharing your goals with others? Mm, I know when I've, when I've yeah. had a, a goal that I've had a lot of doubt about, there's times I actually purposefully put it out there. It's almost the opposite. I'm like, if I make a big deal of this, it's going to make me motivated to achieve oh. it. But there's times that that insecurity makes you go, you know what, if I don't tell anybody, Nobody else is going to be disappointed except for me. Then it doesn't hurt as much when I don't. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. That. And yeah. that's not necessarily a good thing to do. Yeah. But no, that's a good point. That's a good point. So here I am putting it out there to the world that I do think mm-hmm. this uh, this is possible. No, that's a really good point. So well, and that could um, be a way to manage that self-doubt is to find mm-hmm. people in your corner, find your cheerleaders who can help you celebrate those little successes along the way that then yes. make you more confident. Right. And your ability to achieve the big thing. And I've found a lot of um, comfort in I have a friend, Brandy Adolph. We've actually had her on the podcast, but she wasn't my friend. She was a random like person when we had her on the podcast. I did not know her. We reached out to her. Yeah. And you guys have become awesome running buddies. And now we've become really good friends. And so she's a year older than me. And I've taken a ton of inspiration from her. She's a year older than me. She's rocking it at the marathon. She just ran 315 and change in Chicago. And she and I kind of are trying to like band together and elevate each other right now in these kind of what we'll call like twilight years of our mm-hmm. <laughs> of our running career mm-hmm. as, as we see what we're capable of, you know, in our late 40s. But she'll send me podcasts of people in their 40s doing incredible things like that type of thing. I think it's important to have those people that believe in you when you don't really believe in yourself always. I think that's really, really important too. So yeah, coaches, friends, people in the running community, your support team in terms of like massage, physio, Mm -hmm. like sports Mm -hmm. dietitians, you need to assemble that team before you, you actually need them a lot of times to be proactive. Mm -hmm. Social media can be good for that. I mean, we talk about the drawbacks of social media a lot, but I think this is where, again, 
random people that I don't know. That's how I found Brandy. Yes. <laughs> right. And so yes. I can intentionally put those other examples or listen, you know, listen to podcasts, like I was mentioning before, of people doing the thing that I want to do and and sort of crumble some of those limiting beliefs that might be feeding into some of these doubts. So yeah, that's part of what this podcast is all about is to tell everybody the stories, right? The stories of people that may have surprised themselves doing things that they didn't really, you know, believe that they could do initially. And then here they are on our podcast. So yeah, exactly. Okay. okay, so, whew, okay, I'm I'm sweating less. We're gonna oh boy, take the spotlight now. off of me and put it over onto you. So, what is your first one? Okay, well, truth be told, this one might have had a lot to do with part of my switch to ultra running. So, I don't think I'm alone in having gone on a run and felt insecure that I was too slow. Okay, you know, I've had runners tell that to me, you know, oh, I can't run with you. I'm not fast enough to keep up with you. And, you know, for me, I've never been naturally fast. I shouldn't say never. Yeah, middle school, I could sprint the 100 100 meter just fine. But I'm built like a gymnast. I've got, you know, fairly muscular, large legs. They don't match that perfect running anatomy of almost no weight below the knee, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The Kenyan leg. And so I I have struggled with speed my entire life. And I think that's naturally probably made me gravitate towards the things that feel good, which are just running long and slow. Mm -hmm. But I believe it has helped me back from potentially pushing myself a little bit in, in the speed category. I make excuses, Mm -hmm. um, because of my insecurities. And I also have avoided running with certain people because of Mm -hmm. that. I'll fully admit it, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I've probably missed out on some amazing runs with people that intimidated me that, we're probably intimidated by me in a whole other way, right? <laughs> like, you know, yes, I can go long, but I can't go fast. And and right. some people are worried that, oh, I can't run long enough to run with you. And it's just, it's interesting right. when you start voicing some of these insecurities, you're like, what? Why would you even I think know. that about me? And I'm sure other people think the same thing when I think, oh, you're too fast. I can't run with you, right? Right, right. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure I'm not alone in that one, but definitely not. And I feel like this one happens all across the board, no matter what level you're at. I truly do think that because I'll tell you what, I've just experienced the exact same thing with this one as I've contemplated joining a track club. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my kids are in a track club and I'm like, it would just be so convenient. We're here anyway. We bring them and it's an hour and a half practice. And so we're just running errands or killing time. Why don't I just join the track club? And I watch the track club going on and I'm like, there is no way I could run with these people. Like they're so fast and they're young and they're like mm-hmm. kids and everything mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. for the most part. And I'm like, I, the the coach wouldn't want me there. I'd be slowing everything down. And, and I'm not saying, and I'm sure it happens like, among elite people too. Like oh, you've got I've, your elite people and then you've got your sub elite people you, right? and the yes. sub elite people might think I'm too slow to run with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I love bringing it back to Chris McClung, who this episode is inspired by. He says, there's no such thing as slow, only degrees of fast. Mm, <laughs> and, I like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that you can't have too many running friends. This is what I always say. 
you can't have too many running friends and you want to be able to select those people to go running with when it suits what your the purpose of your run is. Absolutely. No, 100%. Yes. So, so it very well might be that Sally isn't the person that you go running with when you want to do an easy run because Sally is sub elite and you just wouldn't be getting one of you wouldn't be getting the intended purpose of the workout. But you might want Sally when on the day that you do your speed work or whatever, and you're just doing repeats, right? And so like, I think being intentional, and then that brings your community back into the fold, right? That there's different people that you can call up when, when there's a different point to your your run. Well, yes, exactly. It's about being honest with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like what is mm-hmm. my goal? You need to surround yourself with the people that will bring out the best in you. So yes. if your goal that day is to run a zone one, easy talking pace run, the person that might bring out the best in you, let's be honest, we all have different paces. There are yeah. going to be people that naturally run faster or slower than you, but maybe choosing somebody that will purposefully be a governor on you that day yes. is yes. good. And you actually really want to run with that person and you don't want that person to be intimidated by you. Right. <laughs> and sometimes I've been that person for somebody else, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then vice versa, if you need to be pushed, maybe running with somebody who is going to bring that out in you and keep mm-hmm. you honest to those paces is what you mm-hmm. need that day. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, that's, I think I will always have that insecurity to some level. I think it is just being honest with myself and going, okay, you know what, Kim, like this is in your head, just go for a Mm -hmm. run, you know, and, and if a person really wants to run with you, I, you know, I can think of Mallory Richard, you know, she's a perfect example of somebody in Manitoba. I was so intimidated by her for so long. I was like, there's no way I can run with Mallory. Like she's this elite runner and she'll never want to run with a little old me. And when I finally got over that, you know, granted, actually, I'm not sure how many actual runs we went on together. We raced (laughs) against each other. But she's just a human being that wants to have friends out on the trail with her too, right? And she'll run whatever pace to just have a buddy out there one day. And so I think it's it's important to just acknowledge that, but not let it hold you back. Those limiting exactly. And I think being being honest back to that too, and saying Mm -hmm. in that in that case, saying to Mallory, like, listen, I'm going to be running seven minute kilometers. Is that like? set the expectation and if yeah, she says exactly. absolutely I don't care about my pace today uh, seven minutes is perfect if I'm going too fast let me know like and then believe her <laughs> right? exactly like, yes yeah, because I think we still perpetuate it I mm-hmm. do that with my husband like we don't run together a lot but he is way faster than me and every time I'm running with him I'm like I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Like slowing it down. And he's like, puts you in a negative Like, would you just stop? He's like, I said, I don't care. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's on, on you in this case, but on me when I run with him to actually just let it go. Like he, Mm -hmm. he gave me reassurance. He doesn't have to do it five times. Like once is enough. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I don't, I think no matter what speed you are, you can relate to that. Mm -hmm. What's your number two there, Carolyn? So number two, and I, I don't know if this is worded properly, but uh, the insecurity is thinking that my pursuit, this back to the 315, 320 marathon thing is like selfish or Mm. silly or, or just like, what is the point? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a 45 year old woman. I am not an elite runner by any stretch of the imagination. My paycheck does not depend on this, right? 
why? Why am I chasing this arbitrary time goal? Is it very silly? Especially when it takes away from, it can, I mean, I invest a lot of time in it. And so for example, Saturday mornings, that is like our long run day. My husband and I both go and it's like, half the day and like the kids are you know at home and the mom guilt and the The mom guilt yes I can tell you like just just this weekend I was really struggling with that luckily it was a down week for me Mm -hmm. for mileage Mm -hmm. but my son actually said to me midday on Saturday when I was there having a casual brunch I'm so glad you're home right now mom and I said well where else would I be he's like running. (laughs) I just thought, oh my goodness. (laughs) Like he of course loves the fact that I run. In fact, I overhear him bragging to his friends about our podcast, actually. Coincidentally, we have 13 year old listeners, but um, (laughs) it's still this thing that, you know, you can constantly be feeling like you're not being a good enough something right? Yes. Good enough mom, oh, good enough yes. wife, good enough, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whatever job you're doing because you're devoting so much time to your running and that can create insecurity, right? Yes. Yeah. And also we've had many conversations about this with road runners versus trail runners. Stereotypically, the road runners are more type A and like chasing the times and it's annoying, right? Like I hate being that person and, and we <laughs> interview these people and they're like, I love running for fun and just to finish and all this stuff. And I'm like, damn it. I wish I was like that sometimes. <laughs> it just seems like such a much more chill way to go about it. But for whatever reason, that is not how I'm wired when it comes to running And I just like to push myself. I like to challenge myself. I like to see what I'm capable of. And that's how I like to relate to running. Don't apologize for that. I know. I know. And so, but that's, that's just where this like self-conflict comes from a little bit. Yeah. Um, So that pushing myself thing has led to a lot of like really good, wonderful highs, but it also has led to a lot of (laughs) very uncomfortable lows, right? And and challenges Mm, along mm -hmm. the way. And I don't know. I just think people can appreciate that more when you're like at the top of the sport and you're like setting Canadian Mm. records and you're elite, but like, that's not me. I'm not, I'm just a regular average person doing this for fun and and performance. Right. And so, so how do you, how do you mitigate that? Like, how do you keep that from becoming a beast in your head? Yeah, I think it requires going back to the why. It always mm-hmm. comes back to the why. And we talked about that with um, Dan Clucho. Yeah. Right. It's like, why am I doing this? And I, I have to just remind myself to not apologize for that's like, I mean, that's what I admire in other people that are right, right, setting limits and exploring their potential and all of that. I admire that in other people. So why is it foolish or silly or selfish in myself? And I have the added lens of being a coach and I never think that about my clients ever, no matter what they're, you know, what they're pursuing. I, I actually admire it in them as well. Like they're a regular person with a job and a family and whatever, and they're going after this arbitrary time goal. So I think I have to just flip it back. Like, why am I so special? (laughs) Like, yeah. Why would this be silly in me? Yeah. Do you think, do you think men feel that way? As often as women, I hate to throw out the gender thing there, but I don't know. Like I've heard other people talk about exactly what you're talking about. And I Mm -hmm. felt it myself Mm -hmm. and it's very rarely my 
male running friends. They are just fine with pushing themselves and having goals and, you know, mm-hmm. um, not apologizing <laughs> for it. How come we as women seem to feel like we have to minimize that because it's being selfish? I, yeah. I don't know. Good, good point. Yes. I, it, there could be a, a little bit of a gender stereotype to this one. Not 100%. Sure. Like I don't no, like to no, polarize conversations, me, me but, but um yeah, I think, you know, the reality is, is you and I are both females having this conversation. So some of our insecurities are probably going to be a little bit biased towards the 40-year-old mother mentality that we have here, 40 plus, yes. <laughs> nearing 50, more than 40. But anyways, um, I guess that's a, unless you want to say anything more on that topic, a good segue into my next insecurity. Yeah, go for it. Yeah? Okay. Here we go. Let's just put it all on the table right now. Body image. Okay, men, women, I don't care which side of the gender spectrum you're on with this one, body image is a thing for runners. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm not immune to it. I'm now 46. (laughs) And so I compare my body now to how it was when I was 26. And I don't often like what I see. I look in pictures, race photos, and I'm like, oh, you should have sucked it in there. Those knees are looking a little saggier than they used to. Mm -hmm. But not even the now. I look back, even when I was in my 20s, back to my build. I've never been, you know, if you could see Carolyn and I right now, we are like polar opposite body types right? (laughs) I'm the mesomorph, the muscular, you know, I've got calves literally, and I'm not saying this in any way to brag. It's actually my biggest insecurity. My calves are as big in circumference as the lower half of my thighs. Like I have Mm. massive calves and my legs have always been a massive insecurity for me. Um, They're not the nice skinny lean runner leg. I would never be caught dead running in just a sports bra, like Mm. ever my entire life. And, you know, I've had to really come to terms with or just accept, and I think this is an ongoing struggle, right? Especially as you age and you start going through hormonal change in the way your body will change and it won't look the same as it did last year, but that's okay. Sometimes it may look better, (laughs) but for me, it's not gone in that direction. Um, And, you know, that the risk of comparison, right? Of comparing yourselves to others. You've just got to let that go. But com- you're mentioning comparing to others, but also comparing to your past And self. to my previous like It just self. never ends, right? Exactly. The ways that we can bring ourselves down. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's kind of funny, but we, we tr- we're trying to bring out how we mitigate some of these things in our heads, right? So how do I deal with my body image issues? It's, it's rather funny that about, oh, maybe six or seven years ago when I was running in Manitoba, I had a friend, a male friend, and we developed this code word for looking kind of fit and good for being functional. It's like, ooh, ah. that runner looks really functional, wink, wink. <laughs> and, and so I've actually, um, I've, I've taken that on, you know, into my own mindset. And I'm like, you know what? My legs aren't the skinniest but they are strong and they are functional and they are functional for the type of running and the type of racing that I'm doing right now, which is mountain running. Mm -hmm. And I need big calves to get me up, you know, 3000 feet of vert or meters of vert in one run. And I need strong quads to get me down this mountain in unbreakable fashion, right? Right. (laughs) I need to be able to hammer on rock and on ice and all this stuff. And so Mm -hmm. whenever I start to really get down on how I look, I really flip it to 
what can your body do for you? What is your body giving you right now? And then it really makes me feel confident and proud because I'm like, yeah, I just hammered down that 10K stretch of mountain road and I feel just fine. And if my legs were half the size they are, I'd probably be feeling a little bit wobbly. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of what I've had to do. doesn't mean I always feel like wanting to take a selfie after these runs when I'm Mm -hmm. sweaty and Mm -hmm. purple and, you know, feeling a little bit bloated, (laughs) but, um, at least the, the overall mentality is that I focus on what my body does for me rather than how it looks now at this stage of my life. Yeah. And I think focusing on what your body can do and feeling grateful and bringing more of that in. And also, you know, when you see that, functional <laughs> runner that lean <laughs> fits felt like notice what are the initial things that come up or is it jealousy is it envy is it right because even those things even acknowledging I and accepting like mm-hmm. oh this came up like these things don't come out of nowhere this is exactly. a systemic problem like we've looked at perfect people in magazines our entire lives like oh it's so it's ingrained so it's the in you. system it's the ingrained but we've got to notice that it's happening before we can ever have a hope of, of changing our response to seeing those people or, or right. you know, looking at that picture of yourself, right. And not immediately yeah. going to ugh, disgust or, or whatever comes up. Right. So, well, we've had several people on our podcast that have talked about eating, you know, disorders and body image issues. And the, the ironic thing about that is that the more um, dysfunctional their eating patterns became, the more non-functional they became right (laughs) and they started performing better the 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 further they moved away from focusing on how they looked yeah and I've never had an eating disorder I can thankfully say that but um the mindset is still there in an Mm -hmm. underlying way and it's it's good to check yourself on that and you know back to what I said a few podcasts ago about the thing I read in a the book lemonade is tell yourself the truth quickly quickly (laughs) (laughs) right like maybe you do need to get back on a better eating pattern because you've fallen off over Christmas you don't like how you look tell yourself the truth quickly and get on with it and the facts not the The judgment over the exactly you don't like like I haven't been yeah I feel better when I eat eat better like I haven't been eating as well as I could Mm -hmm. fact right fact I'm disgusting. I'm this. I'm never going to get out of it. You know, no, that's the no. judgment that we're placing over the top of that, which doesn't help. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So my body works for me. It functions well. I, I rejoice and I celebrate the days that it works really well for me. And yeah. that's what I try to focus on. Some days easier said than done. What's, what's your next uh, one there, Carolyn? Your third, your final running insecurity. Third and final one is um, basically like an inner conflict that I'm kind of bumping up against. And we've talked about a few of the topics so far already that I'll reiterate. But basically, I wonder sometimes as a 45-year-old perimenopausal woman, like, is this marathon thing even healthy anymore? Like, is it, Mm. is it good for me? Like, is it at odds with another one of my goals, which is preserving my lean muscle tissue and aging gracefully? Like is endurance athletics and how much I would have to run to do this goal even compatible with wanting to preserve that muscle and 
And then it makes me wonder, like, do I even want it? Is that a cop-out? Am I just, I talk about being interested versus being committed all the time. Like when you go for something, like, do you just kind of like, oh, that would be nice if it landed in my lap? Or are you like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes type of thing? And so then I have to ask myself, am I willing to do whatever it takes for this? Because it will probably involve a lot more running (laughs) than I'm doing right now. And yet I'm almost from a health perspective, being drawn to like more of that short, fast stuff. You know, I'm on the the board of uh, directors for Canadian Masters Athletics and those people are like amazing athletes, like so much mad respect for people doing those like short, fast, explosive events into their 60s, 70s, 80s, beyond. And I don't know, I just, I think it's like a, a bit of a conflict that I need to resolve. Um Because like, even you were just talking, like, I can feel my body's changed, like, totally. Mm -hmm. And I have the same thing. I look back at the pictures. I'm like, oh, back then, 10 years ago, I was way more lean and way more strong and way more fit and could do way more chin-ups and blah, 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 blah. Like, it just never ends. So I can tell that my body has changed a lot and I don't like it, (laughs) right? Um, But I'm grateful that I'm healthy. And, And actually, on this point, and I won't bore you with all the details, but I did just have a health scare. And uh, I think a health scare, there's nothing like a health scare for putting all of this into perspective. So my calves are a little bit bigger than they used to. I'm a little less muscular. Big deal. I'm healthy now. Like I, in that limbo of like, is this a really bad thing or is it nothing? is a lot of uncertainty that comes up mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you you beg to just be able to run with your sort of bigger legs than you used to have type of thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. So it's just, I don't know if I've summed that up properly, but it's an inner conflict of whether I want this thing or whether I don't want this thing. Because don't forget, when I first set this goal on my 42nd birthday, I actually thought it wouldn't be this this hard, right? Like I've gone and I talked about the the pandemic and all the virtuals and, and all of this stuff, right? So I actually thought that before my 43rd birthday, I would have this thing completed and I could move on to other things and it just due to circumstances and life and, you know, it's taking a lot longer than I originally thought. And so that's playing into it too, that I'm, you know, probably not going to go for this goal in 2023 because I'm running the New York City Marathon, which is really hilly and not really (laughs) conducive to uh, a PB. So I probably won't be able to truly go after this goal until Chicago 2024. And by that point, I'll be almost 47. So that's a huge difference, right? Like it's a five-year difference from when I first set this goal. Yeah, you know, and I I get that brings us back to our why again, right? You have to continually be updating your why because your circumstances might change, your health status might change, Mm -hmm. um, your age changes every day. And so- yep. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? And are you being honest with yourself? Are you telling yourself the truth about what you want to do for the next year, two, five, whatever it is? And that can help realign you. And again, I'm sitting here speaking as if I do it always perfectly myself. And I do not. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, during my long, cold, blizzardy run this weekend, I was seriously asking myself, why? Like, why am I doing this Mm -hmm. for one more season long January training again. And Mm -hmm. I, during my run, I forced myself to bring up 10 things. I'm like, okay, let's just 
back to the drawing board. Yeah. And and at least three of them can't be the same as they were last year. Let's pick some different things. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. So okay. coming back to the why, we can't escape it. We can't escape the fact that we need to know ourselves and understand what the point is so that we're firing on all cylinders and we're like a 100% yes, like I'm doing this till, you know, till this date or, you know, yeah. this race or whatever forever. it is. It doesn't yeah. have to be forever. Yeah. Yeah. But you're all in. Mm-hmm. I think knowing the why and, and clarifying it, making it crystal clear helps you be all in. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And your final one. Okay. So my final one's going to be a little bit in a different direction, less okay. about what's in your head and more about what was happening in my body. Okay. So yes, I'm a mother of two children. Mm-hmm. I now have a 13 and a 15 year old set of boys. Um, <clears throat> so 13 to 15 years ago, I was dealing with a postpartum body and that lasted, I'd say almost 10 years and some of the challenges I had running after having the kids. And as I started to really think about this in preparation for this podcast, I was like, oh my goodness, it really was about eight, seven to eight years after I had my second child before things fully resolved. So what, okay, to clearly state what my Another one of my running insecurities is, is pelvic floor problems running downhill. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have peed my pants more than I would like to admit Mm -hmm. while running, both downhill and just with hard efforts, or while sneezing while running, or while tripping and almost falling while running. Those kind of unexpected contractions where you lose focus of what's, you know, what's engaged properly within your body. So, I mean, I had all the tricks. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it all you up. You did there. all the key goals I did that there every, were to do. Well, not even that, but <laughs> I, I mean, living in Comox was a blessing because we were, you could always be running along the river. So I became an awesome swimmer after runs and little ah. did people know that I was jumping in the river for more than just to cool off. Um, mm-hmm. Always wore black, always wore black. Um, I often had a jacket that I would pull out and tie around my waist during a run. Uh, Make sure I never carpool with people, (laughs) lest on the way home there be odors. There was so much to think about. And I was so insecure about this. And I would be like, okay, you know, and to the point that I would not even want to run downhill, I would walk. And, you know, some of that was good advice when you're rebuilding your pelvic floor. You don't want to be overloading it. You know, you don't want to be jumping on the trampoline when you don't have any control. It's only going to make things worse. Right. So yes, I did all the exercises. I'm not going to get into all of that, you know, the physio stuff, but it took a really long time before I was not only confident enough to truly let go running downhill, but also run with people. <laughs> yeah. Like it's isolating, and right? It's very isolating. If you're trying to protect yourself oh, and don't want people absolutely. to know, then it's oh, easier to run by yourself. And that's 100%. when you go back to your why, that's not why you're running probably. It's no. for community. <laughs> I often, yeah. you know, was in Thursday night trail running group in the Comox Valley and I would make up some excuse about how I wasn't feeling well and had to duck out of the run early because I was just so embarrassed. So oh. I'm not telling you this to make um, our listeners, especially our male listeners, <laughs> to make you feel uncomfortable and squirmy. I'm telling this story because I know I'm not the only one. No. I've treated a lot of women in when I was in clinical practice who had these challenges and 
often it would come out not as the primary reason they were seeing me, but as a secondary mm-hmm. thing that they would admit to later. And they were like, you mean you can help me with this? And I'd be like, yeah, like there's yes. things you can do. <laughs> so I guess my message, it isn't really how to mitigate it. But my message there is if this is something you've dealt with after having children, or surgery. You know, it can happen to men too, right? <laughs> it can be a yep. lot of different things that can create pelvic floor insufficiency, um, which is accentuated with running at hard efforts or downhill. Um, there are things you can do with regards to rehabilitation and treatment. I won't go into details there, but seek out a good pelvic floor therapist. Number two, cut yourself some slack. You know, run with like people, you know, moms <laughs> running together, get it. Don't be afraid to talk about it. If, if it's something that really makes you feel insecure or bothers you, be surprised how many laughs I've also had. <laughs> well, well, as soon as you find your person, right. And they're just like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> if you know, you know, type of I'm thing, just right. Walk down this hill here. So I don't pee my it, pads. And if you put it out there, it's not yep. as big of a deal. Right. And if you are a man running with a woman that you, maybe might see something or whatever. Um, I guess I don't know what to say with advice there, but just recognize that this is not unique. A lot of women have challenges in this area mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal. Right. And it, it uh, the other thing I'm going to say here is it does get better. <laughs> it oh. took me a long time because quite frankly, I was pushing too hard. I don't think I gave my, my body enough time mm. to recover. And so that's why it took a little bit longer, but um it did go away. And I can now happily mm-hmm. hammer down the mountains without any <laughs> pelvic floor issues. Yes. Well, the so. thing I'll say on this, it's fortunately, I think the tides are starting to turn here with this. I've even very recently listened to several podcasts, like ones that I subscribe to and they just come in and I'm like, oh, it's about that. And it's interesting. This this is not something I personally ever dealt with, but I had a very good friend, uh, Heather, who was, she's actually a previous listener on, mm-hmm. uh, or a previous guest on yes, the podcast. Yeah. And she talked about this. And so, and she's, she was fine to put it out there and stuff like that. And if it wasn't for her, I'm glad she did because I wouldn't have known otherwise. And I was, you know, empathetic to all the things you mentioned, like wearing the black and having a coat to tie around and jumping in the river, like, oh my gosh, not traveling with people or, or even a running with people. It's a lot of planning. <laughs> and so I think you'd be surprised how much support you can get back if you just be honest, back to honesty. You mm-hmm, tell yourself mm-hmm. something honestly and quickly, like yep. you tell things to other people and you'll be surprised how much support that you would get and an understanding and empathy and <laughs> what can I do? And you might find word of mouth, a, a great therapist who who treats exactly that. But if you're so embarrassed, so ashamed and, and never say anything and isolate yourself, then that's just going to create other problems. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are going to be days you may not want to run with somebody, but back to even the fear of being slow, I would have to sometimes just go a lot slower than I wanted to because I didn't want to overwhelm my pelvic floor. I was like, enough. We're not Mm -hmm. going to ask it to do more than it can today. (laughs) Just going to take it slower. So some of these insecurities, and I think that's become apparent as we've talked about our just six um, in this last little bit, is they overlap and they weave into each other. And, you know, we... um, we just have to give ourselves grace and 
you know, accept that Mm -hmm. we're not always going to be the most confident. We're not perfect. um, But neither is anybody else around us. And we're just all out there doing the best we can, trying to have fun in a sport that we really should be enjoying, not worrying so much about. I think that's so perfectly said and a very excellent place to wrap up this conversation. Hopefully you feel less alone. (laughs) You know, if you found yourself in relating to any of the insecurities that we talked about, um, yes, please know that you're not alone. Hopefully we gave you some, you know, practical strategies to manage your own insecurities and to try on for size. If, you know, I'm sure we forgot ones (laughs) that we kept this to three each. So for sure, there are more insecurities than just three that I have. And so uh, I'd love to create a little bit of conversation around this one yes, so on you know, social I was, media read my mind here I was thinking you know mm-hmm. when we do post this on our Instagram and when we share this this episode please feel free to comment mm-hmm. you know if there's something that you you know want to add to the conversation or an additional insecurity I think it can help us to build community and support each other as well 